Bonobi is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. What up, what up, what up, everybody here on the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. What's going on? I hope you're having a wonderful week. I hope you're having a lovely, lovely day. I'm hoping that you are enjoying this summer weather that has been blowing up the world, making everything hot and sweaty and sticky. I hope you've been excited by all the things that come alongside that. Uh, if you missed last week's episode, it was a banger. Please go check that out. Uh, super, super fun episode. We got a chance to talk about all the things that are happening uh, in the world of gaming last week. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, the wonderful folks from Interior Night uh, about their game, uh, as dusk falls so we have an exclusive interview with them uh, that'll be uh, the show for this week um, it's been a wild week in, in terms of conversations that have been going on in terms of the internet people are talking about $70 products people are talking about if you have a Tesla you can't talk about $70 products people have been talking about all the things that are in the mix if you are a fan of video games while all of that has been happening there have been some changes to team adams there have been some um people who have been put on the injury list they will not be in the starting five for my new york knicks uh, even though they literally just lost the summer league and now everybody's going to say that they are no longer you know going to do well this season hopefully we still get donovan mitchell i hope that that trade winds up going through let's go knicks but in between the time of last week and this week, my wife broke her ankle. And that has been a wild time here in the Adams household. I don't know what to do. My mind is my mind is all over the place. I'm hoping she's going to be okay. She has a fracture in her ankle. She broke it the other day. Uh, we got a new dog uh, maybe almost three months now uh, ago. Um, and our dog is a mongrel. Our dog is an asshole and that dog likes to chase other dogs because that junkyard dog that we got who is cute and wonderful and lovely also wants to eat smaller dogs nothing i can do about that i can't change anything about that there's nothing i can do about that except be like yo the dog is doing dog shit and i don't know what to do about that my wife saw the dog uh trying to snatch up and eat up another dog she runs full speed to go catch the dog who has the other dog by the neck and is wrangling it and choking it to death and in the middle of running to go get the dog off the other dog she falls to the ground leg stumbles off the curb she fractures her ankle and now she has like a month of recovery, a month plus of, of recovery, depending upon if she needs surgery or not. It has been just unreasonable of how one animal's animalness can throw your whole summer out of whack. Whole summer, whole summer out of whack. I don't know what to do. All I mean, all I can do is is is, is just make sure that she's okay and, and that she's she's fine. And I love her. She's been she's been you know trying to not be like I can I can do everything myself, but also she's been like do everything. And I'm just like ah, 
I need two minutes to breathe and think and I can't do anything. So it's one of those, it's one of those funny things where you just remember all the things that happen around you all the time. Uh, a lot of stuff that's like, Oh, if you made a garden, you have to water the garden. I haven't watered a garden since I had my own garden back home in the Bronx. My, my, my mom used to grow plants and we used to grow vegetables in our backyard and I hated it cause it felt like slavery. <laughs> It, it made me feel exactly like what I thought slaves would have probably felt like when they was out there. Again, it's not, look, there was a lot of stuff that was happening when actual slavery was happening. People was getting beat. There was a lot of terrible things. People were getting killed and murdered. It was awful. Terrible part of our history, terrible part of the fabric of America. But also, when I go out and garden, it makes me feel like I'm on the plantation. I don't like it. <laughs> but my wife wants a garden my wife loves flowers and she's like go water the garden for me because I broke my ankle and I'm like god damn it why you need all these goddamn flowers anyway anywho I love her she's beautiful she's amazing she's the apple of my eye and the pain in my buttock right now but I love her and I love her plants and I love her dog that made her break her ankle <laughs> anyway I am excited to uh, to share this dope interview we got with the CEO and creative director and the program director over um, on As Dusk, As Dusk Falls. I have been a huge fan of this game. I got a chance to play through the first uh, initial uh, parts of the game, or the first two chapters of the game. I think it's brilliant. I think it's super fun. It's kind of amazing in everything that it's trying to do. And I feel like it is, you know, really bringing something fun to, to, to the play, to the playground is bringing something really, really awesome, especially the fact that you can play multiplayer with up to eight folks helping you make decisions within the game. Um, and we talk a little bit about the, the process of making a game like this, how's it changed in terms of, you know, technology helping kind of give you more uh, juice under the hood to be able to do some of that stuff, how different storytelling has, has become within the space. And, and, and also just like how many new conversations are happening within the industry in a real way around digital storytelling in ways that we are seeing, uh, seeing happen in the space. So uh, I want you to check out this interview. Uh, and then we'll be right back at the end of the show to sign off and tell everybody how much we love you. Uh, but for right now, check out this really dope interview with our friends from Interior Night. And of As Dusk Falls, I have gotten a chance to play through some of the beginning of the game. And I am so excited because now I get to talk to two of the folks from Interior Night to talk about the game. Caroline Marshall, CEO and creative director on the game, and Charu Dissot, uh, production director on the game as well. Ladies, thank you so much for being here with me this morning. Uh, I apologize already for probably messing up your last name caroline <laughs> but uh, if, if you can say it for me i just want to make sure i'm getting it just to make sure no no it's fine caroline marshall it's marshall fine. Thank you very much perfect. for the, for the correction. Perfectly. Oh, I thought no. I bought. See, I see. I'm always, I always wonder and worry because I was like, I don't want to get people's names wrong. Uh, but thank you both <laughs> for being here. Thank you much for being on the show this morning. Um, so I am really excited for the game. I have been a huge fan of 
this kind of storytelling within games for a long time. I'm a big fan of narrative narrative stories. This this awesome crime drama that we have with us is is really really good and juicy. Before we talk directly about the game though, I want to talk about both of you and both of your experiences of kind of getting into the game industry and how Interior Night came to be. Uh Carolina, I'd love to hear you talk about, you know, uh, you know, making the studio and and, and growing it. Uh, and how Interior Night came to be. So I've been a game designer for 20 years in the industry. I've always worked on narrative games. It's my passion. Uh, and six, eight years ago, I had a really cool game idea. And then eight years ago, I just had my second child. And I thought, well, it's now or never. Let's just try. So I went on the internet, started a company. Uh, that's <laughs> as easy as it gets. <laughs> but then the hard part starts. <laughs> you know, you got to... Uh, gather the right people. Like so, I went to Charu and other people I've worked with uh, in the past who I really, really enjoyed working with, and just to gather like a core team. And then I, I pitched to different potential partners, and then we managed to sign a deal. And as soon as we did that, everybody joined, and uh, it was fab. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. One of the things I've always wondered about is when you start a studio. How do you kind of not only figure out like what's the ethos of the the kind of feeling of what we want to bring to the world, but also, you know, it's very rare to see sometimes when game studios do, you know, a, a very specific game like this uh, to kind of come to the world. Um, what what was that uh, kind of initial conversation when you all started to talk to the team about you know this is the game that we want to make is going to go down this line we're going to make this kind of experience for folks uh what, what was that like caroline to kind of get into that space it was really you know coming from the desire like to push the boundaries of narrative and expand the audience for interactive narrative and Therefore, for games, so I really wanted to try something bold and different and new, and like let people who don't necessarily consider this, themselves gamer be able to play this like really compelling and grounded story. So our our ethos as a studio is like we're gonna be making original IPs. We're gonna, we're storytellers and we're game designers. So we're gonna be making that for the future. Like we're never gonna be doing a different type of game. Like suddenly we're not gonna be doing a first-person shooter or an RTS or whatever, you know, it's really like our raison d'être is to do interesting, compelling, interactive stories. That's fantastic. Sharu, I want to talk to That's you about, Sharu, uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about, you know, you getting into the space. You came from finance over into this kind of space uh, and, and, and into this kind of um, development part of the world. What was it like for you kind of changing in that way to kind of moving from, you know, working in that space to, to now being on the game dev side? So, so yeah, I was going to be a management consultant, financial investor type person, uh, making lots of money. That was part a big part of my ambition at the time. Um, like everyone, you know, like many people doing a maths kind of degree. Um, but but then I worked in, in the industry just for a little bit and I kind of realized that actually this isn't the place for me. I wanted to I wanted to work with a more diverse group of people and by diverse I mean 
personalities and skill sets and competences and different ambitions. So coming into the games world, I just found like I could put that all those technical skills to to use, but with, you know, I'm working with game designers, I'm working with artists, we're making something that's never been made before. You know, we're at the cutting edge of technology, we're reaching new audiences, like how many new platforms, how many new game genres, how many new experiences are we able to offer? So, so yeah, that kind of bleeding edge creativity meets technology, really messy, but um, really tricky part. That's the thing I like. It's that kind of getting in there and getting your hands dirty part, right? That's like, how do we figure out good ways to problem solve and, and do that? As a person who is terrible at math, I appreciate the fact that you were able to, to move from one world into the other world and how those things, things kind of just automatically mesh for me. I, that was my one worry when I decided to get into this space was like, ooh, math is going to be the thing that kills me. <laughs> but it's awesome <laughs> to see, you know, you've made that transition into that space. Um, for, for folks who don't know what a production director does on a game project, give the folks at home a little bit of information about what that process is for folks who, who may be curious about that. So production director, um, you know, it's really about how do you make this game? Mm. Um, what is the development schedule like? What is the game you're actually trying to make? You know, what are the elements that need to come together? what kind of R&D needs to happen, how big is the team, how many people, like, you know, how are you going to interact with marketing and legal and get the game really launched, plus how much money is the game going to cost? Um, so th there's, a, there's a lot, like, you, you get to see all the different types of um, areas of game development and work with a whole group of people. So I'm sure that, that you and Caroline have many, many deep conversations about the process of what it, what it took to kind of get this game made. Um, Caroline, when you were thinking about, you know, the, the beginning of, of As Thus Falls coming to, to the world, having worked on games like Heavy Rain and Beyond and, 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 and having games under your belt that, that, that kind of lean into this kind of storytelling, was there something that you wanted to not only do from a narrative perspective that you hadn't got a chance to do on the previous games that you worked on, but from a kind of technical standpoint or from a gameplay standpoint, were there things that you were feeling like this genre is missing some stuff that our game can actually kind of fill those gaps? Yeah, absolutely. I think it started with that, like, honestly, finding a way to craft a story that people can enjoy together. Like we really designed the game for multiplayer from the ground up. Multiplayer and approachability. It's really about, you know, like allowing people who are like couples, maybe in a household or friends at dinner to just sit down and enjoy and craft like a really cool interactive story instead of watching a movie together. Mm. For example, because it's such a unique experience. Like the, we all remember, you know, in good interactive narrative games, like some decisions we had to make. These are games that stay with you for a long time. So when you can actually share that with people, and it's very different than one playing, the other watching and commenting. When everybody plays at the same time, it's truly a unique social experience, very deep and insightful. So that's what drove me initially into pushing those boundaries because I thought, well, narrative games are the best genre 
to expand the reach of video games and, and bring more people into it and allow for these like really deep and insightful experiences. Explain for the folks at home who may not know who are going to be, you know, buying the game very, very soon uh, and checking it out. Like, what's the multiplayer experience that they should be expecting when they when they go into the game? Yes, of course. Uh, so it's very, very simple. Every player has a cursor with their initial on it. They can move it around the screen and uh, selection decisions or interactions and majority wins. So you share a character. And along the way, you make decisions together. It's like each player is a voice in the character's head. It's a bit because we all have different opinions. Uh, and it's very nice to see, like, it's very uh, informative, actually, to see everyone's cursor move on screen. <laughs> like, oh, you're really thinking of doing that? Like, oh, no, 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 come on. And then you start really cool discussions and banter. So right. it's super approachable. And then you can move your cursor, you know, with a controller, a mouse, or, or even uh, your phone with your finger on the phone, like you, you download a free app, then your phone becomes a controller. And anyone knows, like everyone knows how to use a phone, like your grandma could do that. Just like swipe, move the controller, tap sometime. Um, super simple. So I, so I love that. And I, and I, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet because my wife is scared to play video games. I'm trying to get <laughs> Well, this is She's the target. This is perfect this, for it? This is yeah. Oh, th this is absolutely like you were talking earlier about why make this game. Yeah. And for me, that's one of the biggest motivators. This is the game that's going to bring together my non-gamer friends and my gamer friends. They're like two different worlds, but they need to start playing together. And you can really share your passion with the people that you love in your life. Um, and they don't need to feel intimidated because we've brought this game to them. Like literally you play with one finger super intuitive she can use her mobile phone she doesn't need to ever touch a game controller she doesn't need to you know like it's just really really easy and all those universal themes and mature themes that she's used to watching on tv in films like that depth of storytelling is here in this game so that makes me even more excited because again like i know a little bit of the story because i've played through some of it but there are moments that you talk about Charu, about the like how do those kinds of movie moments happen where you're just like oh no i can't believe that character did that thing or oh that decision got made within that space how how cool is it when you are thinking about the game that you've made to understand that you know, you will be providing these kinds of long lasting memories for folks who, you know, who are either new to games or this may be their, you know, this term is, is always a, a weird term, but it's like this may be their gateway drug into the, the gaming space in that way. How does it feel to kind of know that this game is potentially going to be one of those experiences for folks, Shara? It, it feels amazing. Like we have achieved something great. Um, I've seen people watch, uh, like I've watched people play this game and they sit there on the sofa and they go through every emotion under the sun. <laughs> like they are so tense and so stressed. They can barely see the screen. And then, then they like, you know, start laughing and they, and they start like getting scared for something that might happen to this character on the screen. Um, and then you also have those times where, like you're saying, you know, some of these choices can be big choices or small choices. Um, and you really get to see what matters to people. And sometimes it's like those super small choices that they start arguing at. Um, 
Charity and I never agree on something really small, which is like steal <laughs> money from the wallet. I, I don't know what her hesitation is there. Um, and then, you no know, there are like the bigger ones. <laughs> no morals, Charity. <laughs> I told you I didn't want into finance. There <laughs> you go. Uh, I love that. I mean, I think that's one of the things that when I when I picked up the controller and started to play, because you know I have an expectation for what some of these experiences are. I've played through multiple games throughout the, my, my time as a, as a game player, but it's one of those things where I feel like this story too is told from a really interesting angle, and and it also feels like. It is a very quintessential, weirdly American story because of not only setting, but the way that the, the vibes are feeling into that way. How was it when you were kind of thinking about and writing this story and kind of pulling all of these parts together to kind of tell this tale? What were some of the inspirations that you were pulling from to kind of make this game and make these folks feel as grounded as they do? Well, first, like we took our inspiration from TV mm. a bit in terms of like, you know, how flowed and relatable and deep the characters are. But I think like we wrote from a place of empathy for mm. every characters. And we've got these two families, like the loving family, the walkers uh, who just travel cross country to start a new life. I've done that before. Mm. Starting in your life, it works. Well, it depends. Uh, and then the more de desperate family, the Holtz. And, you know, it was important to have like two very contrasty family. They come from different social backgrounds. They've got different history. They've got different structure. And uh, in doing so, like we think like, players will relate to one of them or, you know, more or less. And we feel like for the ones that feel the furthest from their experience by playing the story, hopefully they will feel empathy for those characters, all of them. And we switch point of view in the story for that very, um, very, that very goal that we want you to understand the world from different perspectives, which is what we're doing as well when we design the story, like when we design the choices, we try to really cater for every perception of the situation that is presented so that everyone finds a valid answer to mm. what the problem that is presented. I, I want to come back to that because I think that there's a lot of stuff to dig into from that perspective, um, from a kind of like, um, narrative choices perspective and from a nuts and bolts you know you know how the game actually is played perspective but i want to i want to go back for a second and talk a little bit more about characters and and the writing on the game which is really really strong i it, it's one of those things of like for games like this for me the the hook needs to hit me pretty early for me to feel really invested with the characters and with the the folks that we have in the spot and even the kind of decisions that you make they don't need to be super bombastic but they need to have some weight to them and i, I think that that has been really interesting in the way that the game has kind of come come across so far how important is it to kind of nail the opening in a, in a game like this to make sure that folks continue to kind of want to continue down the story path well it's super important obviously like i think within the first 20 minutes you want the players to have a quick understanding of who these characters are mm. and as soon as we've done that they're thrown into the pressure cooker mm. and off they go um it's been yeah it's been one of our key um intention is that the story is intense and the flow is lifelike 
you mm. got no game over. Whatever happens, the story continues. All the choices are yours. You know, characters might experience setback. They might disappear from the story, depending on what you do. But their emotional state as well is controlled by what you what you decide. And that was very important because when you do that, like people are invested um, with their hearts and guts and not so much thinking about the thumbs or the rationale behind the decision. They go with what who they are really and yeah. at the end of each chapter that's why we like surface your key values and your key traits and these also triggers in super interesting discussions with people you play with and also it's insightful for you because you know we don't always self-reflect like that in life we don't always have the time that leisure so this allows this story allows us to do that so one of the things I love about the game is that the fact that you can, once you've kind of gone through a chapter, you can go back and you can say, hey, I want to check out potential uh, branches that I didn't get a chance to see before. One, I've been kind of, well, I know that there are like multiple folks in multiple camps who have, they're the like thing that they believe when it comes to games like this. I feel like I am, and this is where I put my nose in the air and my pinky up, where I get to say, I feel like I am a person who will go through my one path and never look at the other stuff. Right? I will right. I will not go back and try to change the path of my characters in the ways that I could have in that space. Are you finding that you know, building a game like this, where you are giving the option for going back, that people are taking some, more of those uh, uh, abilities to go back and look at the other stuff, or are folks kind of just leaning and going straight forward with the story that they are finding and crafting? Are you finding that in some of the stuff that you've seen in play tests and things like that, Jaru? Um, yes, you know, I, I think people like Caroline say they get become they become very invested in their own storyline and the characters um, that they're following because because you've invested some of yourself mm. um, in some of those situations that you're confronted with and even the smaller ones they they nuance the relationships you have with the characters that are around you plus you know that no game over thing is huge for me it's really really important that people um you know people can be proud that every decision they've made is right because there's no right or wrong in life so mm. every decision is valid so you can go through the story you craft the experience you craft the endings that you come across and kind of be proud of that story um there is the option i mean you know it's really fun to look at to look at the story tree and you, you at the end of a chapter and you really get the sense of actually what is the scope of that story and you get the sense of oh i could have taken this path or i could have taken this one and you know actually that's kind of the path i took and you have you have this affinity with it but we do give players the option of then going back and replaying and they don't have to um write over their story they can create a new one so that's pretty cool as a feature i i love that although it's one of those things of like i always worry that i made the because you you're, you're human you're like did i actually make the right decision here did i actually make the right path so it is it is one of those things where i did hover my cursor for a very long time over other branches i was like oh should i do it i don't know if i should do it but i'm curious though from that perspective like knowing that that's going to be a feature within the game how does that work in terms of scope right i think a game like this is not easy to make 
uh, it takes lots and lots of hours, I am sure, of recording VO and recording performances and all those things. Jaro, how does that feel as well? Like when you're building out and helping to build out the scope for a game like this, you're like, oh, that's right. We have to make sure that all these things are accounted for. How does that actually kind of work in terms of how you are scoping out the project in that way? It starts with yeah, the it's script. Good. It starts with the script. Uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> well, yeah, it starts at the design phase. Like, really, we design the narrative space, the narrative structure with the choices. And we've got like this route. We've got this, you know, like in a film, like one minute of one page is one minute of movie. Yeah. Uh, we've got the same equivalent. Like, it's a different ratio, but we wrote like 1200 pages of script. It's the equivalent of 12 movies. Wow. So your playthrough is going to be six hours, roughly like each chapter is an hour. It's like a show. Yeah. Uh, but then there's so much more space for replay. But I just want to go back super quickly with what yeah. you're saying about like being happy with just one playthrough. I think sure. it's great. I think the, the, the appeal, like some players are completionists, so they want to explore everything and great too. But one of the appeal of replaying this story is that you play with, for, for example, you do the first uh, playthrough solo and then you play mm. with someone you care about. And then even if you, you'll see different branches of the story, or you might not, but even so, it's a different experience because you're sharing it with someone. So that's part of the appeal. Like, and, and the appeal for me of like, it's very difficult to write and then execute such a branching story. Mm. But the, the reward is that players have agency over it and they craft their own narrative. That's the, the reason really like for going after such a difficult endeavor because everything has to flow. And if we do our job well, you don't even realize it's branching because you experience it linearly, right? And everything flows. I, I think one of the, and, and kudos to you and the rest of the team, because I feel like the writing is so strong that yes, it, it does feel like everything flows in the ways that it should or it needs to. And also there's a, um, a thing that a lot of games like this wind up getting into where they where it feels like when it's doing the story it's like good bad really good bad really bad good bad but there's so much nice nuance throughout the branches and the decisions that are happening that i had actual trouble sometimes trying to figure out what decision i needed to make in a moment um how is it when you're thinking about the, the the not only the crafting of the story, but I think pacing is a really important part of a game like these uh, or games like these. How, how are you kind of moving the player along in the pacing in a way that feels like you're giving them enough space to think about decisions in a really in a real way? But also, you don't just want someone to kind of sit on a menu for an hour and not do anything, right? You need to have some kind of, not consequences, but you need to have some action that pushes you along a little bit. How, how is that process when you're thinking about making a game of like, what's the pace that we want to hit and, and where does it kind of land for a good spot for the player? Yeah, we got that rule early of, you know, a choice or an interaction every 20 seconds. Mm. Sometimes it's a bit more, sometimes it's a bit less. But we try to involve like the player and solicit the player like on a regular basis because you so that the experience is lean in, not lean back, that you don't forget, like you think, oh, I'm just watching a movie. No, no, no. It's very interactive. So yeah, that, that's core like to the to the design. And then in the execution, as you say, the pacing is really important. 
um, first of all, the, the way the, the cinematic is assembled, like, it comes to life very late because the pacing is so key so that it, it feels lifelike. But the way that every choice is timed, apart from a few exceptions, what we want you to sit down and pose, it's timed. And the more stressful the situation, the shorter the timer, um, so that you, you feel that urge and that you don't have over, too much time to overthink it. You just go with your guts. And then this is what, like, you know, reveals like who, what you're made of. Yeah. Um, the art style of this game is stunning. It is, it, it is, I've been trying to find a good term for it to kind of understand how to talk about the game to other folks. Cause it's not cell shaded. It's not really rotoscoped, but it kind of is. If you were to tell someone like what the art style is for art aesthetic for the game, what would you tell them? What, what would be the kind of the way you would describe it for folks? So we like to use the term cinematic graphic novel huh, yeah. um, to, to kind of describe the presentation of, you know, the art style, but also the music and the way the way we have that stripped back animation. And, you know, all of this is really purposeful. We, we wanted to find an art style that could get across those very strong, evocative story moments. And then also that depth of character and the nuanced um, character expressions, you know, the, the, the ones that we all have as humans and instinctively understand, but can be quite tricky to get across in a graphical way, mm. like over a computer. Um, so we've taken, you know, we, we take... Uh, real actors, we film them, and then we really carefully select the images, the, the character painting, and we paint them up. The images that really reflect what that moment is all about. And then we put them in a 3D world. Ah. So this is like a super unique way of um, relaying the game. And we created this style just to tell the story. Ooh, that's awesome. That's super cool. Because I was like, I don't know how to describe this, but that you perfectly d uh, shared a, a kind of terminology for the way that this thing looks. So that means that there is somewhere in a room or in a hard drive, millions of paintings somewhere or hundreds of paintings somewhere for each one of these moments that is happening in the game somewhere. Yeah, it's yes, hours yes. of footage. And and fifteen thousand unique frames, like oh, hand painted yeah. unique frames by artists. Hand piece, exactly. Wow. It's it's a lot of work. Like it's not, it, you know, this is sort of a labor of love, purposefully crafted just to tell this game. It means that the game has a very unique look to it. You know, every frame is a picture, and it's stunningly beautiful. We can tell. You know, there's really emotional, tender moments between a father and, and their child, or we can like get across those vast landscapes or high drama. So, so yeah, it's really helped us. Ooh, because now I'm thinking back to my playthrough. I'm like, ooh, I remember that moment. That would have been really cool, like to have as a painting. Like, ooh, I'm like, I wish you would sell that stuff, make reproductions and sell it, because I want one. Uh, that's really cool to know that that was the way you kind of went about the, the the making of the game in that way. I'm sure that that definitely all did also kind of add extra layers to to 
to how the game got made and, and, and production and, you know, scope of, of how big the game would wind up being, you know, a lot of folks have been talking about, you know, the next generation of systems, which is now the current generation of hardware that we wind up finding, you know, games on. And I think a lot of folks, when they think about the what's the things that we should see moving forward and now that we're in this kind of new landscape, you know, there's an idea of like graphics have to be the thing that is the most kind of first thing you see that lets you know that this game is next gen or, you know, now current gen. Did the technology help you kind of tell this story because of the way that this game works and the way that the, you know, the, 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 the gameplay and art are, are meshing together in some way, Caroline? Yeah, absolutely. I think for us, you know, the game does a lot of things in the back end that you might not be conscious of, and it's absolutely 100% fine. But we offer like so many ways to play this game, like solo, multiplayer, one to eight, locally, online, or a mix, cross-platform, with an app, with a controller. Mm. It's actually a big, it's a big thing. And you can also play it on Twitch. You've got a Twitch mode, you can play it on xCloud with native touch input. It's like we're really trying to go to the players wherever they are. Um, you know, you, you, you can have a console, but sometimes people don't, so they can play on xCloud. It was very important for us like, to be as, um, to accommodate in as many occasions of play as possible. Mm. I didn't think about all the permutations that went into how many times, how many ways that you can play and how, yeah, that's really wild to think about in the fact that that's doing that for, for a game like this. Um, we're, we're almost out of time. Uh, time has flown by. Um, but I, I have to ask the, the, the one question I've been trying to figure out for a long time is when you're making a story in a game like this, do you wind up having favorites? Uh, do, you have, do you wind up having favorites in the game? And again, we can add it. Well, let's let's keep it to at least the first two uh, chapters that we have in the game. Um, do you wind up having any favorites that, that you wind up being like, oh, this person I really like them. I don't want anything to happen to them. I do. I do. And I was so upset with Caroline at one point <laughs> in development. I was like, I really oh, like the character. You remember? I really like the character of Joyce. Yeah. And then we were doing a table read with the whole team where everyone gets assigned a character. And I had the biggest shock when like something happened to Joyce. I was just like, no, <laughs> no, I, I like Joyce too much. She cannot be, you know, this thing cannot happen to her. You're going to have to, like, this has upset me, Caroline. She worked so hard. She's got a child, you know, she's got her own business. <laughs> I love that, And that's Caroline. the reason why we kept the change in the game, because Charlie has such a strong reaction. I thought, that's great. Let's keep it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Caroline, yeah, did you have Charlie's one? Caroline's reaction. I'm so glad you were upset. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's like probably the toughest question you can ask me because I, I love them all, like truly. Yeah. Um, I spent like so many years with those characters. Um, I love Jay. I think he's such an endearing character. I love Zoe because she's a young, a young kid and then she grows into being a young woman. And I've got a daughter, you know, when I started this game, she was 18 months and now she's nine years old. So... You know, it like I put a bit of my daughter in this one, or how's a mom? I would like to see her. But no, I love them all. The the character, 
that makes me the most that I find the most moving is probably the eldest of the Holtz brothers. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, um, because he's, he's smart, but he's not necessarily emotionally equipped to be happy. Mm. And I find it heartbreaking. But that's just me. You know, they're, they're all they're all fantastic. Like they're all. Yeah, I, I I love the Holtz and the fact that they are the they're a caring dysfunctional family, right? You can tell that they actually <laughs> like each other and that they want yeah, the, the, the air quote best for each other. They just don't know mm-hmm. how to actually give it to each other in that way. Um, and yeah. it's nice to see that, that, that interplay and that kind of tussling between them from an emotional perspective, you know, older brothers has the, definitely the older brother role of, I must take care of my, my clan yes. and my crew in that way. And then, and again, the writing is so strong. All of that comes through in such a wonderful and, and, and awesome way. Um, last question before I let you go, cause I just thought of it and it was uh, something that popped up in my brain was, I'm always I, I'm a huge lover of this genre. I think these games are brilliant, and I want to see more of them in this space. Where do you think the future of uh, this kind of interactive interactive storytelling um, is going to go? Where do, what's the things that you're hoping to see from a you know technical standpoint or from a you know narrative standpoint that that you that you really want to see kind of come through in in the future? Well, technically. I don't really mind. Uh, what I'm really interested is to see like new voices. You know, the, it's such a nice genre for people to express themselves. Like, uh, you know, especially in the indie space. Like Norco is a wonderful take on the genre. Um, you know, what Sam Barlow does as well with Immortality. I'm very curious to play that. I think it's, it's just, and in games in general, like you see new voices new takes on established genres. I think the narrative is just fascinating because it talks to our human universal side. Like, so everyone could enjoy like these great games. And the way the story is presented is so unique. Like my game of the year last year was unpacking. I thought it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah. It is it is these experiences that really bring home so much of what I what I love for this for these games and, and for these genres of games and and I and I hope that we get a chance to see you know even more of these and especially coming out of your studio and the wonderful folks that you have uh, with you in in the rest of your crew. Um, we're we're about to get out of here, um, but I want you to give the folks at home some info about where they can pick up the game, what platforms, when's launch date, all of that info, so that they can go out and experience the game as well. Okay, I hope I won't forget anything. Uh, so the game comes out. <laughs> it's like the pressure is on. The game comes out on the nineteenth of July, so next Tuesday. Um, it's going to be on uh, Xbox Game Pass, PC Game Pass. Day one, uh, it's on Steam as well. Uh, it's going to be on xCloud and uh, Windows Store. I think I've done the whole thing. Yes. Nice, nice, nice. Well, Caroline. Charu, thank you so much for being with me on the show. It was a blast to get a chance to talk to you both uh, and get a chance to hang out with you on this episode of Spawn on Me. For the folks who are at home, I am so, so excited to be able to share these kinds of interviews with you. I am a huge fan of As Dusk Falls. I'm going to be playing the crap out of this game and I'm not going to go look at the other stuff. I'm not going to look. I'm not going <laughs> to peek at all the other parts that are happening, but I'm very, very happy uh, that we got a chance to talk to you all today. 
awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, and we'll definitely get a chance to uh, hang out with you all. Hopefully, again, with any DLC that happens up, you know, any of those kinds of things, maybe those will pop up into the world at some point. So thank you again for being with me. And uh, much love to everybody at home. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Massive, massive, massive thanks to Caroline and Charu for coming through uh, from the team. Again, thank you to our friends over at Xbox for giving us access to that wonderful uh, crew over at Interior Night, uh, helping us uh, kind of grab and snag that interview for all of you at home. Uh, we have more cool stuff coming up next week. Uh, we may even do a second um, uh, episode this week uh, to catch up on some of the other bits around uh, around the gaming sphere. I do want to talk a little bit about Rumbleverse giving their date. Uh, that's dropping much sooner than we expected. Um, I got a chance to play through some Halo co-op uh, on the campaign side of things, give you a little bit of information on that. So we'll we'll probably do a second interview, I'm sorry, second episode this week, uh, just to wrap up all of those things uh, into the space too. But I got to give everybody some love. Thank you so much for all the love on our Twitch channel. We got some great uh, folks coming through last week. Uh, we're going to be putting more stuff up on our YouTube channel as usual. Spawn these things are starting to roll in right now. We're starting to make some moves over on that end too. So lots of good things happening in Bricago. I'll let you all know if Evo is still going to be a thing because uh, I may have to you know, stay home and take care of the missus and make sure that she's okay uh, with, with her, her broken ankle. So uh, mad love to you all. We'll see you all this week with more more spawn on me in the feed so make sure you're checking that stuff out over at fanbike.com and all the places that our show resides much love to you all we'll see you soon peace